Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Cincy Brewcast. It's the voice of Cincy Craft. It's the podcast you just clicked on. You saw the title, you knew what it was about, and you clicked on it, and now you're with us. If you're new to the show, uh, we talk about craft beer. We drink craft beer. We we drive around the city every week. We go to a different tap room. We hang out, and we... Uh, we talk about Cincinnati craft beer. It's it's pretty self-explanatory. Cincy Brewcast Brew Beer. Cincy. You get it. <laughs> we, uh, uh, this is my first time doing a show from this exact location. Uh, I think only the second show that we have done from Little Miami Brewing Company, though. But we are currently sitting in the, uh, the new event space. Um... And we will talk about all of that, but first got to introduce the guests because we have a couple different things that we're going to talk about. Uh, Beer Dave, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, hopefully people understand at this point you're you're going to be on the show probably about once a year because we love talking about uh, the uh, the beer paraphernalia. Is that, the, is that the right way to describe it? <laughs> Shows that you help put on? Breweriana. <laughs> Breweriana. That is a hard word. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. No, it was like a stamp collector is like a... Uh, philatelist or something like that. A brewery honest is is the technical term for what I do. <laughs> <laughs> you are also uh, obviously one of the leading authorities in Cincinnati beer. Um, everybody hears you every week on uh, 700 WLW talking beer and um, uh, you have contributed more to this uh, this beer scene over the years than I think um, a lot of people will ever aspire to. So uh, it's it's great to have you back on the show. Oxworth told me I can't get blood anymore. <laughs> they can't get it to stop foaming. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Jim Straylau. Straylau? Stray, is that right? Straylaw. Straylaw. Um, welcome back to the show. You are head brewer uh, here at, uh, at, at Little Miami. What is the official job title? Uh, brewmaster, head brewer. Um, there's always the uh, the debate about uh, head brewer, brewmaster. Uh, <laughs> you never know what to say to to not offend people anymore. Um, welcome back to the show. Thank you. We we have like I said a lot to talk about, but first uh, we need to drink a beer because like I said, since you brewcast, you guys get the uh, the idea of the show we drink. From the beer. Um, we've all got different beers here. Um, I don't remember what the name of this one is that I'm drinking, but it's a chocolate stout. The dark side of the moon. Dark side of the moon. Um, you guys have some really great beer names here too <laughs> for a lot of things. I would love to just sit there and dive through a whole list of all of them, talk about them all. But um, this this beer is great. It's surprise. It's chocolatey. It's roasty. It's uh, it's perfect for this time of year when the the weather starts to change, when it gets dark outside before six o'clock at night. <laughs> you know, just it's one of those beers that you want to sit outside on the patio under those heaters and just uh, drink all night long. It's it's delicious. It's it wonderful. starts out as a uh, oatmeal stout, and then we add the chocolate. So you got the the creaminess and smoothness to begin with, and then you put some more chocolate into it, and um, it's a great winter beer. It's um it, it's got that big body. I think that uh, a lot of people. We could get into that a little bit. There's a lot of people that I've seen, especially those some of the loudmouths online that uh, start to talk about Imperial Stouts and um, talk about how they're not thick enough when they get an Imperial Stout and it drives me crazy. And I sit at home banging my head against the, the desk because that, that's not supposed to be thick, you guys. It's not supposed to be one of those big kind of milkshakey things. But an oatmeal stout is it is supposed to be one of those big thick heavy just uh all night long sippers and um this this one nails it <laughs> so really really well done good thanks uh, what are you guys drinking i have uh my dad's truck 
A really cool uh, New England hazy IPA that uh, Jim makes. I was glad to see it return. Uh, let's talk about New England hazy a little bit. I, I'm excited to start seeing, it's been happening for a while, but an evolution in the style where it actually tastes like a beer. I feel like for a really long time when they started kind of popping up, you had a lot of very bad ones around. It just tasted like uh, hop crumbles. <laughs> <laughs> left in beer and it just um they, they they weren't good they didn't last very long they turned into this nasty oxidized mess after a while i and think when they first came out they were two or three really good examples and when you came across an ipa that was hard to filter or hard to clarify they would say you know what we're just going to call this a hazy new england style <laughs> And because it became accepted, and um, but it was not designed to be that type of beer. But now you have good brewers who are actually intentionally ending up with that finished product and the, the way they want it. So there's also a spectrum now of um, they're they're all hazy, but you get a spectrum of the the overly soft, fruity kind of New Englandy vibe versus actually some some real kind of american hop you know character that we're all used to some of the piney kind of a little bit of of bitterness which for um the style is 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 either exactly what we want or exactly what we don't want but <laughs> i enjoy having some of that balance in there i feel like it was for a long time a very unbalanced uh style and uh, i like seeing it kind of evolve and become something that is is uh is, is balanced <laughs> I, I don't think I've tried that one yet, so I might have to try it later. And then what are you drinking? I have our Earth Cookie Nut Brown Ale. I have definitely had that one. When I walk into a tap room now and I see um, some of those, what I consider throwback styles, a, a nut brown or, you know, um, a, a good, you know, fruited wheat beer, things like that, I, I kind of flock to them now because it it reminds me of some of those early days of, you know, uh, drinking craft beer and, you know, some of the places that uh, uh, had those the same kind of standard styles. <laughs> this is a classic for me because when I first started brewing, you know, that was in 95 and, you know, everybody was doing an amber or some kind of brown ale, but that's all we had. You know, we, it, it was, everything was new to us. So this brings me back to my, to my roots and, uh, just a classic standby that, you know, it's nice to have beer flavored beer sometimes. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, uh, brown ales especially are just so good with food too. And so if you're over at, you know, at the brew pub over there and you, you get yourself some pizza and you're like, oh, what the hell do I order with this now? This goes Always with anything. Good to go with a brown ale. <laughs> you hold it up to the light and it's more of a deep mahogany color with just a touch of brownness. So it's you got your maltiness and a little bit of English hop character, but uh, yeah, it pairs with so many things, and it's not heavy like an oatmeal stout or anything darker than that. So it's crushable. <laughs> yeah, the first beer I got to design uh, when I was a brewer at Oldenburg was the uh, Holy Grail Nut Brown Ale, and eventually they opened up some pubs and they called them the Holy Grails, the satellites, like the one at right. you see and stuff. So it's funny now because the Holy Grail with the banks, that's where the name came from. Right. The, the same guys that took over the one at UC kept the name. And then when they moved to the banks, you know, it's, it's like, I know the guy that inspired the name. <laughs> wow. There's, there's yeah. little pieces of that around that I think people don't, uh, don't, don't 
remember, you know, with, with uh, you know, Tellers or uh, what were some of those other offshoots of that Queen City uh, restaurant group? They, it, oh, we have Watson Brothers in Blue Ash. But that are still around, places that oh. uh, that you can, I mean, I guess you can go to Firehouse and you still see what, you know, Watson Brothers was there. So it's like, I'll count that one. Yeah, and Tellers is gone now as well. Isn't yeah. that even where... There's, uh, there's something there. Did North High go into that space? I don't think so. I think they're. I think North High's next. To, I don't know. Right near. I think it's they're, nearby. They're close to same, it. Yeah, it's it's the, area, it's the right. bank building. If you're in yeah. in Hyde Park, it's a restaurant that you know is in a bank. Um, there were a couple other ones too, but I I love you know knowing that those those pieces are still there. If you're if you're looking for them, you know it was that uh, the beginning of of what all of this has become. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's kind of fun because I mean you know all of a sudden you point out the fact that you know Rheingeist is in the Moorlang bottling facility yeah. and Northern Row was their lagering cellars and ice house you know and th- those spaces were built you, you know in the late 1800s Hundreds of years ago <laughs> and they are still sitting there and, and it's so cool that they, they became you know another brewery like the the churches that we've seen around the country you know T- Taft's is a great example yeah. of uh, of a church renovation and that it's just fun to see that you know the buildings get that another story told about them. Even, you know, if you go up to, to Westchester and sit down in, in grain works and have a beer, um, Dogberry and have a beer, like that's, that's the land that all the grain was grown, grown for all of these breweries in OTR when, you know, uh, this was you know, pre-prohibition uh, beer mecca. It, yeah, Maulhauser and Moorline Road and Windish and all of that stuff up there is because it's where, where their farms were. Right. Absolutely. There, I, I live in Fairfield. Uh, spoiler for for anybody who likes the anonymity of, of what I do, but um, and down the street for me on uh, one of the main roads through uh, through Fairfield is the old uh, um, summer house for the Windish family. Um, it sits up on this little hill, this big giant house amongst all your typical suburban kind of things. And every time I drive by, <laughs> I tell my my four year old, I'm like, you know, you know, Beanie. That's our house one day. We're we're buying that one day. It's gonna be our house as soon as we can. We're we're getting it because, you know, it only seems fitting that at some point I live in a uh, a beer baron's mansion. <laughs> We've gone way off track, guys, and not really that much because um, I do want to talk about the uh, um, the the show. And so this we talked about uh, Bruriana and uh, and 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 kind of. We've we've talked about it on the show before, but it is a uh, a group of people the 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 beer can collectors association is that right? Brewery Collectibles Club of America. I was close. Yeah, you, it, it used to be beer are. can. It was the beer can collectors <laughs> of America originally, um, and then we're also affiliated with the the National Association of Brewery Advertising. That's another one that we're affiliated with. So those two two national groups. Uh, are kind of uh, we're the local chapter, if you will, and it's it is a group of people that love uh, not just the collecting aspect of stuff because there is a just an aspect of collecting things that I think a lot of people get into, but uh, that preservation of history and you can go through and you can look at this stuff and um, really trace the roots of of a lot of what is happening now back to where it kind of started in, in in i'll say specifically cincinnati but there is a lot of other stuff that's going on there too uh, yeah we, we used to we used to hold this uh at the Moorline production facility there on moore street which was the old kaufman brewery right really cool space the old arch brick and all of that and stuff but as Moorline's transitioned into what they are today 
They also no longer operate out of that facility. So we needed a new home. And we tried to go and find a new home. But with COVID last year, we weren't able to make this show happen. So we're really excited to be able to bring it back to life. And everyone picks on us because they always ask, what's the name of the show? And we saw it was the Queen City chapter Sunday after Thanksgiving show. Because <laughs> it, it, it's the best way to get her to remember what the date is. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and if you guys haven't put the pieces together, this year's uh, show is being held here at uh, Little Miami in the uh, the event center. Um, talk about what what the show is a little bit for people who maybe uh, there are people that are not necessarily collectors. They're not going to, you know, come in here with their uh, bunch of things to trade or anything like that. They're just, you know, your, your average beer geek who has a little basement bar and they're uh, wanting to, to get some stuff to, to, to fill it up. And yeah, a guy, guy might not have, have a neon in his man cave or he's, you know, put in a kegerator and he really wants a, a cool retro tap handle or something for it and stuff. That's the kind of stuff you're going to see here. There'll be guys trading beer, beer cans, coasters, labels, stickers, bottle caps, all, all that stuff. Uh, but, you know, you can find old embossed bottles from, you know, pre-prohibition, a lot of stuff like that. But, you know, it, it's a great way to come and learn a lot about Cincinnati. And with the craft brewery movement, you have seen so many, you know, what seem like newer collectibles come onto the fray but you know the craft cans especially it's amazing oh, i don't want to talk about what's yeah, happening you know, in my basement right now <laughs> that, that, that is really uh you, you know it's to the point now where guys are almost like okay i only want the craft cans in my zip code you know because I, there are so many i started debating the other night if i was going to switch collecting uh cans from all of them to just loggers <laughs> <laughs> that's the only way i can figure out a way to manage what's happening it's uh it's chaotic yeah we, we had a collector years ago that uh he had sold off his beer can collection and, and he decided he was just going to collect bock items <laughs> and he had no idea how you know he, he was just as buried collecting bock only items I'm and only stuff gonna that, collect you know. blue things that have an animal on them that also <laughs> Oh, it's, you know, you think you're drawing this little square and then all of a sudden you step back for the, the bird's eye view and you're like, wow, this is, <laughs> this is just as big. You know? but to be fair, when I started collecting cans, it was, it was right when Madri released their first cans. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Somebody's canning beer in, you know, in this craft beer world and here in Cincinnati for you too. Like, this is, this is really cool. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to collect those because I can... I can go, I can start right now. It's all uh, everything that happens from here on out. I can, I can get them. And yeah, a couple of those big guys, they'll do it, but everybody else will still be doing bottles. It'll, it'll stay manageable. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> no. And, and it was really uh, amazing how a number of them that came after that had already purchased bottling lines yeah. and they were like, oh, we need to go somewhere and get rid of the bottling line. So bottling lines became cheap as they, oh. you know, but you know, right now, you know, the, the collectors are deciding, okay, I only want it printed cans. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. going to collect. I don't want the wrap cans. I don't want the stickers. But the problem is, is since the pandemic with aluminum and everything, you, you know, even the big guys, you know, there's some shrunk wrap yeah. blue moon cans and that out there as well, because even the big guys like that can't demand, you know, you will produce me a printed can. 
because it, you know the technology's there, but the inventory isn't. Well, and and with the way craft the, the the nature of craft beer is that constantly changing constantly evolving next thing next thing next thing and so there are a lot of places that are like i'm not gonna invest in a truckload of cans of a brand not knowing how long that's gonna stick around this whole conversation is bringing ptsd back to me <laughs> <laughs> that's why i moved here to, to do little miami where we're just doing you know at the bar uh, resale because i was in that for 15 years where you couldn't find glass you couldn't find cans we're out of labels and oh let's do a one runoff of this and then we're gonna get the labels for that and then it's a nightmare and then now with the supply chain shortages and the price of aluminum it's i, I couldn't even imagine let alone collecting that stuff right <laughs> <laughs> it is really cool to to collect it though to be able to put on a shelf you know that that lifespan of a, a brewery or of a beer or of you know some kind of a you know an ipa line whatever it is and, and see how it evolves over time and see that the design and the, the personality of it change it is really cool to, to be able to physically have that tangible thing that you can sit there and look at but um, yeah my beer can collection probably had 300 cans this was like in the late 80s and then i stumbled across my holy grail of beer cans i found a, a cone top an iron city cone top in my grandmother's out out barn in maryland and it's like Wow, that's it. So somehow all those cans are gone except for that one Iron City cone top. Nice. S sitting on my can. desk, and I'm happy with one. That's a good can. <laughs> that's fine. I wish I was satisfied with one. <laughs> I want them all. <laughs> it's uh, but that's that is fun of the that is part of the fun of the collecting thing though. Like if if there is something specific like that that you you want or you that that's your thing like that hunt for it is is what fuels a lot of collectors that that going to shows and trying to get that one thing that you need to complete your your set or that one thing that you uh say at some point you know you you lost that can and it's still there in your head and you can't you can't let go of it and you have to get it again you know that that hunt getting it you know not to not to jinx that it'll get lost you know oh no 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 down. it's it's the, it's the hunt and uh don't bring up guitars uh, with me now i mean it's a little more expensive uh hobby too but guitars are strange though because every single one of them has its own unique personality so Absolutely. you can have several of the exact same guitar and <laughs> you know with a can once you get it you're good i got it it's in good shape i'm all right with it <laughs> and the wife will never understand why you need three stratocasters and, and a couple less won't. pauls <laughs> that one looks just like that one Oh, it's not. <laughs> this, one, this one feels different, honey. It feels different. <laughs> oh, you're describing uh... this pre-CBS <laughs> Fender. <laughs> See, honey, it's not just me. Um, so the show you said weekend after Thanksgiving. Uh, it's the Sunday after Thanksgiving, um, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. You can come out here. You can hang out at the show. Then you can go over and have a couple beers over at the uh, the brewery and hang out and 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 even you know maybe walk around Old Milford and explore some of the stuff that's happening down here. And I think it's great. I think it's yeah. And, and the bar will be open, uh, so you, you know you can get yourself a pint. Uh, you know, in the event center while you're walking around, and uh, you know come peruse the stuff and uh, you know plan on having lunch uh, at Little Miami. It, it, you know. 
That's, uh, you can be home by halftime and decide if you <laughs> brave yourself to turn the Bengals game on or just leave it off at that there, point. There are TVs here. It's probably uh, it's probably a safer bet to uh, to watch the game somewhere where you know there's an ample supply of alcohol to uh, <laughs> to kill the pain. Typically, we've been having uh, the band uh, Billy Rock play eleven to one uh, warm up for the Bengals game at the brewery. So you could come down here and do some shopping. Checking out the cans, go up there and hear the band and get some food. You know, it's sounds like an awesome sounds good, time. Sounds yeah, good we're, we're going to order some some pizzas from the the brewery and we'll have them for sale uh, by the slice uh, here here as well while the show's going on because a number of the the, the collectors aren't going to want to leave their stuff to right. go inside to get get food. So that'll be uh, that'll be a good way to you know. So slice of pizza of beer in your hand walking around thinking about things to decorate your man cave with or or your woman cave yeah. you know your she shed or whatever you want to call it <laughs> whatever whatever the term. room of your house right <laughs> every freaking room of your house like mine you know it's okay you know? just rub it in please <laughs> um so it's five bucks to get in um, it's more if you want to get a, a table, but I think the people that are listening to this are not the, the, the table people. You guys just want to come and uh, check out what's going on and, and uh, maybe get you some stuff to uh, get some get some Christmas shopping done. Maybe, you know, your your, your buddies, your dad, whoever it may be, your mom, you know, anybody that uh, that likes craft beer will appreciate some of this stuff, too. And uh, I think it I think it makes for makes for a good conversation piece in anybody's um, basement or house or uh, wherever it may be allowed to be displayed. <laughs> and you get a chance to check out one of the coolest new venues Absolutely. Uh, in, in town for, for a lot of uh, events, weddings, uh, you, you name it. This this space, uh, the minute we walked in and looked at it, we were like, we've got a new home for our uh, our, our, our show now this is uh, this is awesome space it's beautiful so it's a good way to show off the space uh, we just opened up so we've had some uh, weddings and uh, different events and they've all been fabulous and people have been uh, really giving us great reviews and and just loved it we recently had a um, a, a dinner and show program halloween night with uh with the billy rock band you pay uh it was like sixty bucks, and that you get uh, dinner, unlimited drinks, and a show. That's and uh, a couple will be a hundred bucks. So it's a pretty uh, inexpensive way to go out and have everything covered and uh, have a good a good night. So that, that'd be a good way to uh, introduce some people to what we have to offer here. Whether you're doing a celebration of life or any type of get together, um, or some of these uh, fun dinner and shows that we've been doing yeah prior to the show jim walked uh andrew and i around and this is a really uh really cool space uh lots of the the garage doors with the with the glass panels uh in it and stuff and it's divisible by a couple of things that you know you don't yeah. need to rent the whole space there's a smaller portion of the venue it's and an it, incredible patio and incredible what a great patio. River. <laughs> just right. like the other brewery it's the it's right on the river great river views and uh got some three different fire pits uh rolling in whatever and uh yeah it's 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 spectacular let's talk about how this all uh, came to be so you guys started this uh before chaos broke out right the yes. idea for this yes then you, you get started on building an event center and then there aren't any events <laughs> <laughs> 
Was it was it uh, perfect timing that it, it is finished now when things are starting to pick back up, or was was it just pure terror that whole time? <laughs> it's it's funny how things have worked out. I mean, we started doing the rooftop bar and the uh, the seating down by the river before the pandemic, and then our grand opening for the uh, rooftop happened right when the shutdown happened. Like, oh, great, we spent all this money and did this improvement and couldn't use it. But, you know, in May, when things opened back up, people flocked to it. It was um, it was perfect timing, actually. Right. Um, think about all the weddings that didn't happen last year. And there's a, just through our research, there was just, uh, there was a need to have a cool, awesome space to have a, some type of wedding or any event. Right. You know, we're having another dinner and show on New Year's Eve, you know, and we're going to have vinyl countdown to a fun cover band. Um, they play it all. Um, you know, it's just uh, people were itching to get out there and right. um, it opened up and with the vaccine and everything, we feel pretty safe and it's it's been awesome. Yeah, get your booster shot, people, as soon as you can. <laughs> yes, keep, keep it this, going. Let's keep this thing going. Yes. Yeah, it, it, in the hobby, it was amazing. I, I think we were probably ninety percent vaccinated way early on because they, they just they were pent <laughs> right. up. They wanted to get out and <laughs> right. you know go to go to antique shows again and and get out and do the shows again and have the chapters bring the stuff back and whatever. And it was I was right there too. I was chomping at the bit to get mine as soon as I could because I obviously like to sit down and have. Beer with people and talk to people face to face. It seems and like the people who like craft beer and anything beer related tend to be adventurous, cool, fun people. And you can't be adventurous and cool stuck in your same house for a year. <laughs> right. You know, you need to get out. And, um, you know, that's what craft beer is about is being adventurous and trying new things. And, you know, we have 16 beers on tap here and there'll be something for everybody here. Um, and then after a couple of weeks, it changes and we got new beers, you know, and that's just, it's always been that way in craft beer, going back to the beer cans, you know, having, you know, infinite, infinite amount of labels now out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's part of it. And that's, uh, that's who we are. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not the craft beer buyer at Party Source anymore because oh, I can't imagine <laughs> trying to keep that wall uh, moving and fresh. And you know, like, that's what's always so crazy you know. to me is the the freshness side of it. Like it's it's one thing to put together a really killer selection of beer. It's it's easy to do in, in the the world now, but um, to keep people buying all of it and keep it moving and keep it fresh and uh, to keep people excited about it and like, it. it there, there's a whole other side to it that uh, is, it's more complicated than just bringing in just the logistics somewhere. of like a place like yard house that has 120 taps. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea is awesome, but man, that would be hard to run and, and manage and keep fresh and all that and rotate and all that. Well, and it's like, I think a lot of, a lot of people that may be outside of um, the, the chaos of, uh, my life of craft beer, the people that maybe live a normal life, maybe they, they don't always realize, um, that they, you know, they're like, Oh, let's, let's go to dinner. We'll, we'll go to yard house. You know, you, you like craft beer. You, you love that place. Right. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, but I'd really much rather go somewhere that has a little bit of a more manageable, uh, tap list so that I, I, I know what I'm, what I'm going to get. <laughs> it's, uh, and those guys had a huge, 
huge problem, you know, trying to manage that, you know, and I can tell you as somebody that works on the wholesale side in the business now, you know, our, our six barrel inventory in our warehouse is probably three times the yeah. size that it was prior to COVID because even, even events, uh, you, you know, any of the, uh, the, um, the accounts and stuff, even a multi-tap one, something that, you know, is 12 taps or more and stuff, they're carrying six barrels of a lot of things yeah. just because, you know, they want the freshness of it. But, you know, there, there's all that still trying to figure right, it out you you, and stuff. And by doing the six barrel, it's a it's a better way to, you know, keep it fresh and, and keep it moving in, in that because the, the, the world's still, uh, you know— the, there's you don't know what things are going to look like one week from now. There's a lot of bugs on the windshield. You don't want to hit the wipers because you're the, just uh, going to smear it. <laughs> That's right. The production side of that, where I was, that was a nightmare also because I was had a I had a keg fleet of about 1,600 kegs, half barrels, and I had 55 twos. And then this was in you know the 2010s, and everybody started have two or three taps at their bar and let's get six beers but they didn't have bigger fridges so they'd get smaller kegs so all of a sudden i would run out of five twos so i'd have to go out and buy another 300 five twos go out and buy another 600 next thing you know i have three thousand five twos i had to buy <laughs> and um so instead of sending you know 20 down to my distributor i would be sending 400 every week and then they'd don't come back on time, so you have to buy more kegs. So the, yeah, there's, there's garages all over. Uh, that, you, you know, within ten minutes of the brewery, full of uh, five or six uh, empty kegs that they haven't uh, brought that, back. That yeah. whole shift from half to six barrels was a real a ball buster for uh, for small breweries that couldn't afford a huge. I mean, it was very expensive to keep up with that. And with that shift in the market, and it, it's definitely here to stay. Well, and a six barrel almost costs the exact same as a half barrel, which people don't always realize. And they're like, oh, exactly. You yeah. know, they're like, well, that has to cost that, you know, three times as much at least. And it's like, no, it's uh, about a 25 to $50 difference. Yeah, a, new, yeah. a new keg cost me $125, and a 5.2 cost me 100 bucks. Yeah. So, <laughs> but no, it's uh, it, it's funny some of the stuff uh, that, that those uh, you know that, that show up to drink. Which thank you for doing that. But at the same time, there's a lot of a lot of work to make sure that you know. So, so here at the table, you're seeing producer, wholesaler, consumer. <laughs> you're getting the, the view, all the 360 here. That's right. Well, let's talk about the production side a little bit. You guys, um, I I. I don't want to assume that you guys are probably busier than maybe you anticipated when little Miami opened, but this place is always busy. <laughs> oh, always, way busier, way busier than we thought we'd be. Um, I knew we'd be busy. Um, I wanted a bigger system when we, you know, Dan Lynch and Joe Brenner, the owners and I were discussing this for 
over a year and it went back and forth and so we settled on a seven barrel system which was just way too small but, but it should in theory like it should have been everybody talks about uh, for a, the space a, we had a brew the, pub and a, the square and a, footage in a town that doesn't have a happening beer scene at the time it, it seems like it makes sense unproven market <laughs> and you know it's, it wasn't my money you know it's, it's, I'm going to go big but right. you know there's you know real reasons why it is what it is and it's a pleasant surprise. You know, we were able to max out what we have and got a couple of new tanks. Um, but it's been, it's almost perfect. I mean, it's its a little small, but it's been, it's been really good. And, you know, who knows? One day we may open a second location and now we know what we know. Well, and, you guys have, you guys have talked about plans of doing a, a the, the brew barn, I think is what it was called. Uh, kind of a an addition to production here on site. That was the original concept here. We were going to have, you know, our, our brewing campus would have the original location, the event center, and then the brew barn. But seeing how that wasn't really an, an income generator, it would just right. be supplying for both the places. And we definitely want to have a place that we can actually have another tap More room, tap room space. you know, and, and have that pay for itself while making more beer. So that's, uh, th that'll happen down the road. Uh, we don't have any plans yet, right. but um, we're always looking. Well, I mean, th there still are so many places around Cincinnati that need a tap room. Not, not, that, not that they just want it. There are still places that need more tap rooms or a tap room that uh, I'm sure would be a great, uh, great place for, for you guys. Yeah, I don't see craft beer slowing down. If anything, it's just going to continue to pick up as Bud Miller Coors sales. They are declining, declining. They're still drinking the same amount of beer, so the beer drinkers the are just switching over to, you know, the fun side. You know, the right. what we what we stand for and what we do. So, in the uh, immortal words of Dan Listerman, you you don't ever hear of somebody that switches from macro beer to craft beer. Uh, <laughs> going back right <laughs> like once you once you make that switch you make that switch i think his his wording of it was a little more colorful but <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure it was <laughs> well it, it, the cool thing too is you know when you come to little miami or, or any of them you, you know just pan the room and there is every age I love in, the, uh, in that room that is what's what what's so cool i mean you ha you have grandparents you have parents you have you have newly turned 21 year old nieces and nephews and that and then you have the little kids Maybe running kids around that are having a blast it, not even it, and it is just uh, amazing how much fun they're all having you know because it, it becomes you know uh, really part of the community you know mm -hmm. I and mean, i know nationally you like to paint the local coffee shop as that place and stuff but I think because of our heritage here in Cincinnati, I think craft breweries killed I the think, local coffee shop. I think the <laughs> I think the craft brewery is more of really a better way to paint our city and some of the other cities that have such cool beer scenes, uh, you, you know, like that. Because in reality, you know, you, it, it's nothing to see, you know, three or four generations sitting here, you know, enjoying an evening at, at this site or many of the other ones across the city. Yeah. And that's that's what's really cool. Well, and it's like it, it fits, it fits so many different 
needs for people. There are people that come here because they they love that it's a, a little local restaurant that's in their town. There's people that come there because it's their neighborhood bar. There's people who come here because they want to go sit on a patio somewhere. There's people who come here because they like live music. Like there's so many different reasons people flock to a space like this. Don't and forget, we have Dog of the Week on our Facebook also. <laughs> you know, we, you know, we're dog friendly. We have trivia Mondays. We have Singo on Tuesdays. We have Cornhole at the Event Center on Wednesdays. Live music, bangles, you know. you know, It really helps when the city has successful teams. Yeah, shout, out to, shout out to the Bearcats. Bearcats yeah. are <laughs> killing it. Bearcats. Bangles actually have a pulse. And um, it, it makes... Um, just the environment is so much more festive. It's, it's been great. And, you know, getting back to being swamped or too busy, this time of year, the production side is perfect size. Um, summer, when you have all the kayakers and canoers right. and the bikers, um, yeah, it's, it's overwhelming, uh, but we manage. But now... Can, can we talk about contract brewing a little bit? Yeah. It's something that we've, we've talked about on this show uh, a few times. Um, there are some places that talk very loudly about partnering up to help kind of meet some of that demand. And there's places that don't necessarily talk about it as, as loudly. Um, you guys have partnered up with places to help kind of meet some of that demand when there's, when there's a pinch, right? Yeah, we've done uh, a couple different breweries. We have, uh, you know, relationships with, we've done batches or collaborations or just straight up batches with uh, Northern row. Uh, we have uh, good friends at Fretboard. Um, they'll do a lot of our lighter beers uh, in the summertime. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that we go up there and we brew with them, right. and you know, everything is our recipes and our ingredients. But it's um, and those are the the popular ones that we can't keep up with. Right. All you know, all the other hoppy beers and specialty beers they're all done in-house because they take they don't travel as well and it's it's we need to have our hands on that more right so to speak it's it's strange watching how kind of that has evolved with places there was you know in the early days of craft beer you know sam adams came into it contract brewing and uh, kind of got a lot of people up in a tizzy about it people were uh, telling them they weren't a real brewery because they didn't make their own beer and then they made their own beer and people found other reasons to, to piss on them. But, um, but then it, why Jim <laughs> came into town and bought Shameling because he was like, okay, I'm going to write a check and uh, show these guys I'm going to own a brewery. And, and, and that had a lot to do with the drive of how he ended up with the old Shameling brewery that, you know, you know, they just finished that expansion down there. And if you haven't been by there oh, it's lately, awesome. it's amazing I, I what the, they've... The most respect for Jim Cook and Boston Beer, what he's done for craft beer is immeasurable. I mean, the it, education it, of the, the palate and the people uh, through his national advertising... Just his and beer commercials his, alone are very just, educational. Just awesome uh, to, to do that. So, you know, for, for our industry to have somebody... You know, out there, you know, as one of the lead guys uh, to realize that, you know, I mean, he's he's done a lot to help the, the guys behind him that are on the way up the brand new guys. You know, he's he's helped them with hops and other ingredients right. and stuff. And, uh, you know, it, there's no rocks to throw at the, at the Boston Beer Company. And in this area, you know, he's he has family here and he, his heritage is here. 
and the fact that he kept Shaneling going, you know, is, is pretty amazing. The fact that he still keeps it going and even, you know, reinvesting to keep it, you know, growing. And that's, that's not the, it's not the nicest brewery in the world. It's, it's an old brewery. Like it would probably make more sense for them to build a new facility and, and do that instead. But they don't because it's about something else. And I, I wish more people understood that about um, Sam Adams. Well, there's and, the history and the heritage and the nostalgic part of it. And, you know, all that stuff ties in with why we do this, why we collect these things, why we look back at the glory days. And, you know, it's just really cool stuff. Well, that's, even that's a good question. They put in across the street is really, really cool space. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, so that's uh, that's Which, been fun. Uh, they're tapping Utopias this weekend when we're recording this. When you guys are listening to this, you just missed it. But uh, um, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> time is weird in podcasting oh, yeah, world. <laughs> Um, let's let's go back a little bit. You talk about kind of why we we drink craft beer, and I for each of you guys, uh, starting with you, Dave. Why why do you drink craft beer? Like, what is what is all of this about to you? So so when I started going into uh, home brewing and that, it was mm-hmm. because uh, I wasn't challenged uh, at the shelf. You know, everything was either way old and, and very uncared for imports. Or it was just the, the dumbing down. And being a collector and loving the history, I hated to see breweries going by the wayside. And so I really wanted to figure out some way to, you, you know, get things interesting in that. And lucky enough, Oldenburg came around in the in the mid-80s. And, and I ended up working there from day one. And, you know, I never looked back after that because... You know, and the national brewers have, you know, obviously they've purchased a lot of craft breweries and that kind of stuff, and they've kept them going because they realized for them to to buy just the label and, and shut everything down and that doesn't do any good. Right. But, you know, but when they bought Rolling Rock, you know, they bought Rolling Rock and all they wanted was the label. Right. And then now the Latrobe Brewery is part of City Brewing Company, which is going to make all the Paps brands and everything else uh, going forward. But but the whole craft beer thing, you know, was so new and infinite that then I, I couldn't I couldn't help but be a part of it because, you know, I'm I'm new, newly 21 almost at the time that it's starting to pop. And this was just like, wow, I get to be a part of this. This, right. is, this is good fun. And I, I I would never, uh, never want to not be uh, as old as I am today because it would have meant I didn't get to see so much of it early on in the beginnings. Oldenburg is one of those places that still kind of breaks my heart for me because I, you know, I turned 21 in like 2000. I don't know. I can't do the math. Like 2005, maybe somewhere around there. Um, and yeah, 2005. I, I missed that whole. Era did, yeah. of, of what Oldenburg was. I mean, the building was still standing uh, and I drove by it plenty of times, you know, and just kind of missed this thing that was ahead of its time. Maybe I don't even know that it was ahead of its time. It just, it uh, was, beer, beer, it did, was. beer didn't keep up with it as Cincinnati beer didn't keep up with what was happening there. I think um, if it was here, now it would be just this this mecca for people and i um that one that one makes me sad that i never got to uh to experience it kind of in its heyday 
Well, I remember my first craft beer experience. Well, before that, I was going to school at Ohio University, and my roommate was 21. The amount of people within Cincinnati Beer that went to that school is insane. It is. <laughs> Co Bobcats. <laughs> it was a beautiful thing. 18 year old freshman, and, and my freshman roommate was uh, 21, straight from Germany in the, in the service. So I got a beer education right away, uh, plus it's OU, so it's kind of inherent. Right. Uh, so we started uh, going to the bars and drinking Guinness and Bass and the imports. So, I mean, at that time in 86, um, you went from, you graduated from Bud to Bass right. and then maybe Guinness and then, you know, some German beers. And then um, my sister was in Chicago at the time we went to uh, Goose Island, which was a brew pub, and I had the Honker's Ale. It was an amber ESB. It blew, it knocked me out. It was like, where has this been my whole life? And it was so fresh and just, it was what was missing in my life. I, I don't know even how to explain it. So I, I started home brewing the next week and um, somehow got... Um, you know, graduated from OU, uh, couldn't find a job, and my buddy was a chef at Main Street Brewery, first brew pub downtown, and he's, he knew I home-brewed and somehow got asked to come down and help out because they were so busy. And it was one of those things where I loved the beer, I loved the process, I was good at it, and you could walk around and nobody had the same job title as you. I mean, at that time... Yeah. And that was in 95. It was such a small brotherhood of people who were doing that. It, it was it was amazing. It, I mean, that was a... I, I can't even put the words to it, but it was... Um, it was a it was a special time. It, it was interesting. There there was a, a time back then when we were all working at various breweries and in other roles and stuff. There was a time that there was a particular Delta flight from Cincinnati to Denver, go, going out on on Wednesday or coming back on Sunday. That if the plane would have gone down, the, the city would have lost. Hundreds of years of beer knowledge. Yeah. That was the flight for the uh, Great American Beer Fest in Denver, and that was a rowdy flight. I can imagine. <laughs> well, I, I think I even twenty-five of us on the flight each I think time. Even back in in my you know era of of drinking here in Cincinnati, like you look back at some of those early festivals at Listerman and places like that, where you could get every single person that was making beer in town together in the same room. And it just, not that what's happening now isn't great because it's fantastic, but it was just so, so different then. It was so, so small and so uh, special, I guess. It I don't, was, it, I don't think it's changed at all. If, if you are new to it today, it's again, it, it gets back to the discovery, the newness, the, wow, where has this been? This, I can't believe I stumbled across this, taste this flavor this freshness is whatever the scene and it's um if you're new to it it's i mean there's just so much to explore is is that the thing that that kind of keeps you going at this then is like that trying to give people that 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 new thing give them that new experience 
Oh, I'm I'm jaded. I, I you know I, I don't know about that anymore. But what, what is it? What is it that gets you gets you going in the morning? <laughs> I, I like making a good beer. I, I st- honestly, it it uh, the biggest job satisfaction I have is when at the end of the day after I've made a batch of beer, I look out in the tap room and I see two hundred people laughing, um, high fiving, having a good time, drinking the beer that I made. Um, that's very satisfying to see that. It's uh, it's got to be you know, I, I assume it's similar for people who who work in kitchens and cook and things like that, but uh, still very different. You know, people don't run around high fiving and and hooping and hollering after they have a really good steak. You know, it's just, <laughs> no, it's a very similar. It's pa- a it's a really nice parallel. I mean, you you take pride in what you make and you appreciate people appreciating what you do. And you can see that, you can feel it, and um, it makes me want. You know, I've made, you know, like this beer a thousand times before, but you're always tweaking it. You're always trying. You're always looking for that perfect right. batch or whatever. And there's always room for improvement. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just something that I tried to retire. You know, I, <laughs> I, I brewed for 15 years and I left the business and. It, it's like a year out of it. I was like, I gotta get back in there. There's <laughs> something about it that it's, it's beer. You know, it's. Uh, I, I wonder how uh, how long I will stay retired when I do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, but you know, I, I can't wait to dip my toe in that to to see what it's gonna be like. But uh, I know I've had lots of people tell me, uh, "Oh, you'll be back." You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you guys, I mean. You guys have been in this uh, this industry for 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 a while. Um, you've seen it through several different kind of uh, personalities of what beer is. Uh, where do you see it going from here? Where you know, is seltzers and and canned cocktails going to take over the world and destroy everything we know about beer? Or no. Um, where, where does it go from here? No, I, I think I think those segments uh, have have the void of some of the other uh you know you know scenarios not everyone's going to be a beer drinker not everyone's a wine drinker not everyone's a spirits drinker and you know there are those that that that, you know flip between all three of those and 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 have an awesome time doing it and and stuff i mean you know look at what you you know the the barrel-aged beers have done well luckily you know bourbon's taken off like it has so all the barrels are readily available for the brewers that need them right. to, to do that stuff so you know i think what happens is the, the world the, the airplane made the world get smaller the, the internet really made it get small because you can really you know almost experience anything around the world yeah. you know with with the device we carry at all times with us you know that that phone has really absolutely changed the world and stuff to the point where you, you know I, I can say siri what's the closest brewery is i'm driving from here to st louis or whatever right. and they'll say i'm finding you know such and such what whatever i mean that that's how that's how amazing it is but if you look at the industry you have the local convention of visitors bureau putting together things like you know passport booklets that you get stamped at various breweries and stuff like that because they've realized that this is a, a way to get people to do a weekend in Akron, Ohio, right. or, or or whatever and stuff. And and so as long as you have a lot of that kind of back of the house stuff, you know this isn't going anywhere in any way, shape, or form. I mean, 
you made the, the correlation with the steak earlier and stuff, you know, you know where in town you'd like to go and have a good steak. You know where in town you'd like to go to have barbecue. You, mm-hmm. you know where you want to go and have a really cool Sunday brunch. You know, those places all got that way on the reputation of pleasing you all those times. And that's what this industry is doing. And that's what their industry is doing as well as, you know, the bourbon and the wine segment. And people think, well, aren't we going to get oversaturated? Well, there's 14,000 wineries operating in the, in the U S there aren't that many breweries yet. We're about halfway there. So there's still, even if you just look at Cincinnati as an example, you know, how many, how many restaurants are there just peppered around town that could be making their own beer? How many, how many bowling alleys there? How many people are sitting there drinking beer at a bowling alley? We don't have any bowling alley breweries in town. There should be one, but we don't have one. Like, like there's, there's these, all of these opportunities. They're for... always afraid the workers are going to drive. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> You know, there's there there are so many opportunities for things that already exist that could be a brewery. You know, and, and, and I I hate talk about saturation and beer bubbles because I think it's just we're we're so far off from that discussion that. Uh, well, and bowling alleys probably have a spare room or two. <laughs> <laughs> How does he store all this crap in his head? <laughs> He's been waiting years to use these jokes. Oh, perfect. Let me go to my, my bowling alley section. <laughs> what about, I mean. Really? We've gone in the gutter already? <laughs> Do you have anything to add to that from, from your perspective? You know, from from my time, you know, from the basically craft beer starting, you saw, okay, who can make the darkest beer? Okay, then it went to who can make the highest alcohol beer then it went to who can make the hoppiest beer then you got the, the ibu uh, bitterness wars then you went to the sour who can make the sourest beer you know there's always something out there that's driving the segment somewhere um now you have the seltzers and the the, the fruited things um italian pilsners <laughs> I just started seeing that. I, I saw one at a local brewery recently. I'm like, they're not that good. Why are you making that? Um, it's also no Italian. <laughs> but I, you know, I don't know where it's gonna go. I mean, I, I have no idea anymore. But probably collaborations. Uh, they've always been around, and that's a, a good thing to do. And I think what you just touched on i mean you used to have just when the quality of everything rises up we had restaurants that would buy salad dressing now they're making their own vinaigrettes so now you might have a a restaurant that hey we're gonna put a little two barrel system in and make our own beer they're not gonna distribute and you know try to conquer the town they're just gonna uh, provide a higher quality product for their customers Mm -hmm. um and i think there's tons of growth for that um like you said but um i don't know i mean the main thing is just making good clean drinkable beer and um just go where uh is there anything that makes you nervous about where craft beer is or where craft beer is heading right now mine's just on supply chain issues you know we had a there was a fairly poor uh crop barley crop this year 
Uh, I get a lot of my ingredients from, I, I use English heirloom grain, you know, Golden Promise, which is really high quality, expensive grain, but it comes from England. Um, I get uh, German grain, a lot, lot of European hops. So it's just, uh, you know, are they gonna be sitting on a boat waiting to get unloaded right. and I can't get my stuff? Uh, that's, yeah, I'm very kind of focused on that stuff right now. Um, I'm confident where we are here at Little Miami that, you know, we have, we have our fruity beers, we have our light beers, we have our multi beers, our hoppy beers. I kind of focus on those four type of categories and some experimental beers thrown in there. Um, my main thing is just making sure I have the ingredients to do that. Do you think we're going to see more of a, a focus on uh, people trying to uh, create some of those ingredients here in the United States because of some of that? They're starting to see some of the problems. I mean, I'm not going to say that oh, I see we, can, we can get Golden Promise here, but no, you know. I, I get calls and visits from local uh, representatives that are growing barley in Ohio now. I have hop growers that are yeah. I actually shout have out a, to Doc Hops. I have a, 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 a friend who grows hops a mile from the brewery, uh, Dr. Hop, uh, Sean Carson at Hopped Farms. Uh, and he supplies hops to several breweries in the town yeah. for, you know, basically wet hop, har harvest festival, you know, um, fall wet hop beers. Um, I know they're starting to get into pelletized versions so they can store and use right. them. But yeah, there's definitely regional and, and local businesses popping up that will do that and if, if i have to go that route i will you know we'll, we'll adapt I'm, I'm just curious longer term if we're going to start to see you know the the quality of that start to really increase as people start seeing the need of having something like that that is a little more local than trying to get just something from, from just like across uh, the nation. craft beer you had these bubbles that would you get a bunch of breweries open up and then the, the good ones would survive and the bad ones right. would fail you're gonna have the same thing. The small maltster that's doing it right, doing it well, they'll survive. And the guys who don't know what they're doing, they won't. Right. And then, and that just raises the bar for the next guy coming in to uh, to do uh, some malting. So yeah, I, I think it's gonna be good. And on the historical end, if you go all the way back to both of the world wars, a number of breweries that were acquired by neighboring breweries or the other brewery in town and stuff what they were going for was their their grain rations in their contracts that they had with suppliers and stuff to make sure that they still had ingredients to continue to produce right. the, the, their product and stuff and you know we haven't seen a lot of consolidation in the industry because i don't think it's it's the consolidation isn't necessary uh, uh, in most ways, because especially when you have, you know, there's been some really cool brewing cities uh, that that have a great beer scene that are, are really get get along well. Cincinnati is right. one of them. Uh, you, you know, it, you don't have to go far. Cleveland has a great one. Columbus does. Kansas City, Indianapolis. You know, so th these guys all work and get along. You know, the, the, there's a big guy in every one of the cities. There's the next biggest guy. There's the third biggest guy, and then there's a, a bunch of others, but they all really get along because the, the guys that work at, at the big guy, they, they either started there in the brewery and then they they either went and started their own and they're one of the one of the smaller guys or the, the, 
they worked for one of the smaller guys and they went to work for one of the bigger yeah. guys. So people in the building know a lot of people in the other buildings and that. And for that reason, there's not a lot of secrets and that kind of stuff. So it's not like, you know, it, it, there isn't this goal to go around and crush everybody. You, you know, I think a lot of right. that it has kind of, uh, you know, gone by the wayside from that that standpoint. You know, I think the concern is, is if you're going to get in the business and you're going to call yourself a brewery, you better know what you're doing. Don't make crap stuff. Don't try to tell somebody that, you know, because something you made is foul or, or bad supposed or whatever. To be sour. Don't, don't, you know, don't, don't tell them that your, you know, your Italian pilsner is that because it's sour or it's phenolic or whatever and stuff. That's not what it is, you know. So don't, you know, don't because the education is so so vast in cities when you have this many breweries that the brewers aren't going to stand for that right. nor are a lot of the, the the employees in those places because they've or, hung out with the brewers the and consumers. they've drank consumers and the consumers aren't, aren't consumers aren't consumers are educated either. now like they well, people walk in knowing what something is for the most part knowing what something is supposed to taste like and they um they probably won't sit there and say anything to you after they drink that beer that they didn't like it but they won't come back we had an encyclopedia section in our family room growing up that we used to do school projects in that now you have this phone in this phone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you, you know, you, you, you're not going to fool many of uh, many of your, your customers much. And don't don't try to do that. You know, you, the beer industry um, is full of uh, amazing people. It is a, you know, it's an asshole free zone. I mean, it's been it nothing is. but totally For the most part. cool people. <laughs> I could name a couple names. <laughs> well... <laughs> They don't if, last long. If, 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 if you are a brewer uh, that that gets out and um, it it doesn't end well for them. I right. mean, basically, we're in this together. We always have been, and it's um, you know it's such a collaborative market. And as Dave said, we're not trying out to go out and crush anybody else we're we're in this together and it's been it's been that way from day one it's been a grassroots uh fight uphill against bud miller cores from day one I, I don't see it like that as much anymore but it's still a collaborative group of people working for the same goal trying to create great beer and great atmospheres and it's um it's it's really it's such a great industry to be in. It's it's been fun watching it grow and evolve, and uh, and I, I I think we haven't even seen the best of it yet. Like I, I I am so excited to watch what is next from the city and from from places like you guys, and uh, it's, it's just so exciting. I love it. I love it. I'm excited so much. too because I I still learn stuff every day. You know, when I come into work. I don't know what I'm getting into for that day, just from the day-to-day -day stuff, but just from the trends and what people want, what people like, what I'm going to learn that day from drinking somebody else's new IPA right. of this version of whatever. I mean, you you get these styles that come out of left field, like, wow, I, I, I like that. I'm going to try to make that myself. And yeah. then it just keeps escalating we're challenged which is fun i mean you, you know that that's you, you know I, I don't I, I don't brew commercially anymore but 
You know, one of my roles is the, the, the draft tech for the state of Kentucky, for the, the, the wholesaler I work for. And you're challenged because, you know, you walk into an account and the, 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 they're flawed. Their system has mm-hmm. something wrong with it. And what is it? You know, or whatever. Or, you know, last week I did a beer festival. We had 15 cold plates out there, two beer trucks running, a trailer and some portable bars. You know, I'm responsible to make sure all of those things are pouring and beer can be very finicky coming out of a keg from various breweries and right. all that. And and it's cool. It's fun. It's challenging in that. And, you know, and, and that's this industry is full of a lot of the people that, you know, they don't want to show up every day and, you know, paint the fence, uh, you, you know, wax the car, you know, kind of a deal. They, they want to be challenged uh, at what they're doing in the industry. But when you get involved in this industry, you quickly realize, wow, this is fun. This is exciting. It's it's changing. It's, it's it, you know, excuse the pun, but it's liquid, it, you know, on, on what it brings to you every day. Right. You know, it will sh- it will fit every shaped glass, which is awesome. But uh, b- beer will challenge you. And that's uh, that's 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 really the fun of the whole industry. Brilliantly put. <laughs> well, guys, thank you. I, uh, I appreciate you taking some time and, and uh, uh, sharing some of your knowledge with me and some of your uh, your insights into what the hell is happening in the world around us. Because man, it's 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 been a ride, especially the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love talking about beer, so this has been fun for me. So thank you. If you are listening to this and you haven't been to Little Miami, you get out here, and the perfect opportunity to do it is the weekend after thanksgiving because you can hang out check out the show grab some pizza grab some beer just hang out here uh hopefully the weather will still be nice enough that you can hang out on the patio because i think that this is uh definitely one of my favorite patios in 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 the city and uh um, although the patio here at the event center is kind of even more awesome (laughs) (laughs) it is awesome (laughs) i hit the wrong button I'll figure this podcasting thing out one of these days. Um, like I said, weekend after Thanksgiving, I'll put some links in the show notes you can click on to uh, to get you to uh, um, to learn more about it. Um, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Thanks, Andrew. Everybody, yes. get out there, have a beer somewhere locally, um, because that's what makes all this fun. <laughs> it's Cincy Brewcast. It's the voice of Cincy Craft. 